Uh, we are in a series called Teach Me to Pray, and this is part 5B in our series, part 5B. And um, the interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer is, is the disciples, um, they had prayed their whole life, but then when they heard Jesus pray, they're like, wow, we, we've never, we, don't, we didn't know we were doing it wrong all this time. And so Jesus taught them how to pray and gave them the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. The point I want to open up with today is this, is that um, when you get to heaven and you face that second day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment of works, um, there's no excuse like, well, I just prayed the way my parents, you know, my parents taught me to pray. God, God's going to say, I'm not judging you by your parents. And you can say, well, God, I obeyed the laws in America. You know, I didn't do this. God's not, I'm not going to judge you by the Bill of Rights, by the Declaration of Independence, by the laws of the land. I'm going to judge you by my word. And so there's a lot of people, maybe some of you in here today, you, you, you have these belief systems or you've lived your life based on some religion you were part of, whether it was a denomination, whether it was Catholicism, uh, Methodist, Baptist, even non-denominational is a religion nowadays. You can't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, my pastor or my priest or whoever, they told me da-da-da. And that Jesus is going to say, but you are held accountable by my word. Did you have a Bible? And you're going to say yes or no. And he's going to say, um, did you have the opportunity to get a Bible? And of course, you'll have to say yes. So what I'm telling you today is, don't let me be the final authority in your life or any other pastor or any TV preacher or any parent or any religion or denomination. You are responsible to seek the truth for yourself. And that's what's so powerful about the Lord's Prayer is they had prayed all their lives and then Jesus prayed and they're like, whoa, this is amazing, teach us. And so he went through the Lord's Prayer, Luke 11, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And we normally say it each week, and I know you know it, but just for time's sake, we're going to skip through it. The last word of this is what? Amen. What is it? Good job. Okay, so last week, or last time we talked on this subject, we were on the, the sentence, and forgive us our debts. And we dealt with sin. Remember, forgive us our debts. Luke uses the word sin. There's three R's for dealing with sin. Can anybody tell me the first R is what? Recognize. Wow! Y'all are so much better than the second service, okay? The second R is repent. First you recognize, then you repent. And the third R is receive forgiveness. Now I'm going to add a fourth R for those of you that take notes, and you're going to want to take notes today. Here's the fourth R, is return forgiveness. Return forgiveness, and here's why. The title of today's sermon, the phrase we're on today is this, as we forgive our debtors. That word as in the original language actually makes up four English words. The English words that it makes up is this, in the same way. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, listen, you need to uh, pray, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive, us, forgive me of all my debts. In the same way that we forgive those who have hurt us. Matthew 6, 12, in the same way. Um, uh, Lord, forgive me of my sins in the same way that I forgive people who have sinned against me. Forgive me of my trespasses in the same way that I forgive those who trespass against me. Here's what's interesting about this is that um, the seed always comes before the tree, right? You plant an orange seed, you get an orange tree. You can pray all day long, God, give me an orange tree. I want some oranges. And you can pray and you can do a Holy Ghost jig if you want to. And you can give a lot of money in the offering, but you're not going to see an orange tree until you plant an orange seed. Okay? It's the law of sowing and reaping. It's been established since mankind was created. The law of sowing and reaping. So here's what Jesus is saying. If you want to receive forgiveness from me, you have to be willing to forgive everybody that's done you wrong as well. This is a prayer of dealing with unforgiveness in our hearts. 
for your notes, unforgiveness is the number one tool, the number one tool that the enemy uses to contaminate our hearts. There is no greater weapon that the enemy has to contaminate our hearts. And when our heart is contaminated, we will not be blessed. Uh, you cannot be blessed to the level that God wants to bless you unless you have a pure heart, unless your heart is clean. And, and everything, I believe, every um, seed of rejection is rooted out of unforgiveness. You know, when somebody um, doesn't like your idea and you're offended, you feel rejected. When somebody leaves you and you're hurt, you feel rejected. When somebody lies to you or steals from you or does you wrong, you feel rejected. And all this causes a seed of bitterness, and bitter roots produce bitter fruits. It causes a seed of unforgiveness, of animosity, of hatred. And here's the, here's the thing about this particular seed that the enemy tries to plant in our hearts, is a lot of times we don't even know what's in there. We have no idea that there's unforgiveness in our hearts, and we wonder why we're not being blessed to the full. We wonder why we're not seeing all of God's promises come to pass in our life, and it's because there's something in your heart that's not supposed to be there. I can show it to you like Ruth and um, Naomi. Remember, both of them had something bad happen. One of them got bitter. She died an old woman. Another one got better, and she got a new husband, and God blessed her. So when there's unforgiveness in your heart, you cannot be fully healed. You cannot receive what God wants you to receive. Unforgiveness steals from you. It affects the way your finances are handled. You will not give uh, freely and, is, and, and hear from God clearly when there's unforgiveness in your heart. Unforgiveness destroys your relationships, and you don't even know it. Unforgiveness causes you to feel like you're bruised, and so anytime anyone gets near that bruise, you, you, you're very careful of it. And so you think everybody's out to get you, and it's all rooted from unforgiveness. So I keep saying unforgiveness, and a lot of you are thinking, well, I don't have that in my heart. So I'm going to prove to you that 99% of you in this room have some sort of a seed of unforgiveness inside of you. And the way I'm going to prove this is I'm going to list for you six fruits or six strongholds or six roots of rejection that breed unforgiveness. In other words, I'm going to list six things that we do things that come to fruition, things we do on the outside, the way we act, the way we, um, the, the decisions we make. And I'm going to list six of these. And when I'm done, these six things I'm going to prove to you are rooted because of a seed of unforgiveness in your heart. And uh, I'm just curious, assuming that you have something in your heart that's not supposed to be there, how many of you by a show of hands would like to be free from something that's in your heart that's not supposed to be there? Okay, and the rest of you just stay asleep and we'll pray for you at the end of service. Okay, here we go. So there's six strongholds, roots of rejection that breed unforgiveness. Number one is this, shame and guilt. If you ever feel like you have not been forgiven for something, if you've done something that you just can't believe you did, you went through a divorce, you had an abortion, um, you lied from, cheated, you, 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 you turned your back on a friend, you, um, you hurt one of your children by mistake, um, you did something, and deep inside you just feel like, I, out of all these areas in my life, I just don't feel like I'm having God's mercy in this area. I'm curious, if we're going to be very transparent today, let's just be very transparent. How many of you in this room have done something in your life, and for some reason, no matter how hard you try, or no matter how much you pray, you just feel like God's, you're a failure in this area, and God's still upset with you? How many of you then? Wow, okay, very, okay, okay, okay. Here's number two, insecurity. Insecurity. Insecurity, I'm going to prove to you, it can come from a stronghold or rooted something from unforgiveness. You constantly need attention. 
constantly have to be recognized. You're insecure. You can't be corrected or instructed or you feel like a failure because you're very, very insecure. And you know, this can come, this rejection, it can come from if someone you love has passed away and you feel like, well, they didn't live with me as long as they, and I feel rejected because they left me. I know they couldn't help it, but I just feel like, I feel like God's rejected me. He should have let this person live longer in my life. And you don't really say these things, but deep inside you feel like, God, why? Why did you not let this person stay with me longer? I've even found people that have a, a, a root of unforgiveness and rejection even when their pet has passed away. An animal that they loved and then the, the dog or cat or whatever died young or died old, whatever it was, and they just feel this, this sense of I'm upset with somebody. I don't even know who I'm upset with. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I just have this sense of, of failure and rejection. Number three is this, anger and rage. Anger and rage. I see this on Facebook. You know, the enemy is such a liar. The enemy is such a liar. Oh, my goodness. He can, um, he, he, can, he can get you upset and riled up about somebody, and you think it's no big deal, but once you put those words out there after you've judged or criticized or condemned somebody, or you idiot, you know, whether you're talking about liberals or Republicans or whatever you're saying, and, and you don't even realize it, but all of a sudden a seed was planted in your heart of bitterness or offense. An offense or unforgiveness. And it's, um, and it's buried deep inside there, and it causes anger and rage. I see it on Facebook because people, you look on someone's Facebook page, even a Christian, and every post they put, it's almost like you can read it and tell that somebody did them wrong. In some area, sometime in their life, someone did them wrong, and now everything has to do with getting back at people or God being our avenger or, or, or God's going to pay them back or someone did me wrong, all this kind of anger and rage. Number four, independence. I don't need anybody, I don't want anybody, I don't want counsel, I don't want to be around anybody, I don't need anyone. And they do this because they don't ever want to be hurt again. They don't ever want to be rejected again, so they don't want anybody around. Um, number five, easily offended. They're easily offended, and it's because there's, um, there's a, a bruise, like I said earlier. There's a bruise. And every time there's a counseling word called trigger, every time the trigger pops up, they feel that bruise again. Every time they see a movie that has to do with what happened to them or they hear a story from somebody or whatever it was, they're bruised. And so they're very careful of that bruise and you don't really see it on them until you get too close to the bruise and then they make sure they protect it. And it goes and it, all over again. They just get hurt all over again. These triggers occur in their life. So you have to walk on eggshells around them because they've been rejected and there's a, a seed of unforgiveness in the inside. Uh, number six is this, excessive shyness or loneliness excessive shyness or loneliness. And I'm not talking about a personality. I'm talking about a literal fear of people. They've been rejected by somebody. They've been done wrong. They've been made fun of. They were bullied. And adults get bullied just as much as kids get bullied. Let me say it this way. Adults bully people just as much as kids bully people. And um, they don't want to be around anybody. They literally just cannot be around anyone, and they don't realize it, but it's because there's unforgiveness in their heart, and Satan does not want them to know about the unforgiveness because Satan doesn't want them to be free from it. doesn't want them to be cleansed from it. Um, it's interesting, but, you know, I told you Luke uses the word sins in this phrase we're studying today. Matthew uses debts. Here's why. When someone does you wrong, we feel like they owe us something. It's a debt. You, you hurt me, you rejected me, you left me, you lied to me, so now you owe me. You are indebted to me. But here's the problem. No person can pay you back a debt that only God can pay you back. And you've got to get on God's payroll. 
You can't keep it on your own payroll to where you want them to pay, you want them to apologize, you want them to hurt, you want them to suffer, you want them to come back on their hands and knees and beg to be back in your life again. You can't expect that because it's never going to happen. And even if it does, no man can heal another man's heart. Only God can heal our hearts. And we look sometimes to that ex or that person or that old boss to somehow pay us back for what happened. And the truth is, no, just like in the case of if someone, uh, God forbid, someone murdered your child. No amount of money, even though, of course, they pay money, no amount of money if a company accidentally hurt your child, no amount of money can make up for a hurt like that. And it's the same way with every hurt we face. Um, I want you to picture Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, because I want to I show you something. Jesus is, is praying, and then his disciples say, hey, Lord, show us this. And he says, okay, when you pray, pray like this, guys. Picture all the disciples around, okay? I'll, I'll pretend like I'm Jesus. Good. Okay, good. So no laughter. Perfect. Okay. So uh, later I'll pretend like I'm the devil, and that works out a lot easier. But anyway, I'm just kidding. Okay, so Jesus teaches his disciples. He says, hey, guys, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And Jesus is teaching them this slowly and surely. And he goes through the whole thing. Thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. And Jesus is so excited. And he said amen. And the disciples are just standing there. And they're doing like this. I just... And Jesus is looking at me, so amen. And you know, I want you, in the Bible, when you read these passages, no one else has said anything. Jesus said amen, and it, and, and it goes to, and Jesus is still talking. No, no person said nothing. And I like to think, because you know, reading the Bible is like reading a text. You've got to know the person, you know, who's sending it to you. And so I think I know Jesus, and I think I know what happened. I think Jesus let them sit there in awkward silence for 60 seconds. Amen. And they're like, and Jesus looked in their hearts and he saw there was something in their hearts about the Lord's prayer they didn't like. There was something they didn't get. There was something they didn't understand. Something they didn't know exactly what Jesus meant or how to do it. And when Jesus said, Amen! And they're just standing there. The very next words out of Jesus' mouth show us that the phrase they didn't understand is the phrase we're talking about today. Jesus said in verse 14, Guys, if you forgive others the wrongs they do to you, then your Father in heaven's going to forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their reckless and willful sins, letting them go, giving up resentment, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I believe there was a word the disciples used that they took out the Bible. I believe they all looked at each other and said, crap. I think that's what the word they said, and they just didn't put it. The writers decided not to put it in the Bible. I think that's what happened after that. Okay, so here's my question. Do you want to be free and clean today? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, what's going to happen when you get to heaven and you have an offense this big in your heart? Just this big, not that big, just this big, and it's in your heart. What is Jesus going to say to you? I think he's going to say, I died on the cross for your sins, and you hurt me, and you offended me, and you spit in my face, and you turned your back on me day after day after day, and you're going to hold on to an offense this big. You're going to have unforgiveness in your heart because some person, the whole world hurt me, 
And that one person that did you, you can't let that go. And so here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to show you the key to unlocking a pure heart. Now you have your little key. That's your sermon prop today, just to hold on to it, just to see it. When you have a key, if you had a key made for a lock, and when they give it to you, you go to unlock the door, and it doesn't unlock the door, and you're like, man, I paid for this. And what happens is, if there's four teeth on a key, all four teeth have to be grinded down perfectly in order for it to unlock the door, okay? You can have three of the teeth exactly how they need to be, but if the fourth teeth is not grinded down properly, it won't unlock the door, okay? I'm going to give you four teeth today that will unlock a pure heart, and Jesus gives us this in Luke 6, but don't put the scripture up there yet because I want to talk to you about it. There's four teeth on a key that will unlock the door to a pure heart. You can have one, you can have two, you can have three, and it won't unlock. you got to have all four. And in Luke 6, and don't put it up there yet, but Luke 6, 37 and 38, verse 38, everybody knows. Verse 38 is, give and it will come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken. How many of y'all know that scripture? Raise your hand. Okay, that's not talking about money. That scripture is not talking about money. The original writers, there was no punctuation or verses, and so it goes from one verse to the next to the next. So verse 38 goes with verse 37. Let's put it up there because here's the four keys. Ready? Here's the first one. Judge not. Now, when I read the scripture, the first thing I, I told you all last week, I'm going to be a grandfather. My oldest son and his wife, they're having a baby. I'm going to be a granddad. But when he was little... There was a phrase kids used to use that would allow them to tell a lie and it just canceled. Y'all remember that phrase? What would they say? Not. Y'all remember that? Y'all's kids say that little? They'd like, hey, I made straight A's. You did not. And whatever they say, they can lie and it's just no big deal. Like my kids would be like, dad, you want some ice cream? And I'd say, sure. Not. You know? So I thought, well, I can do that. Hey, y'all want 20 bucks? Yeah. Not. You know, you just say whatever you want to say and it's a lie. So I think Jesus looked at his disciples and then he was like, hey guys, judge. And they're like, yes, not. <laughs> and you will not be judged. Condemn, all right, not. And you will not be condemned. Forgive others. And then, here we see it again and again and again. Then God will forgive you. Give, and we all know give. It's talking about giving mercy here. And it'll be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. The same measure you use, it'll come back to you. Let me say this. The same measure you judge others, it'll come back to you. The same measure you condemn others, it'll come back to you. The same measure you forgive others, it'll come back to you. The same measure you give mercy, it'll come back to you. Those are our four teeth. So we all know what give means. That's an easy one. Let's look at judge. Judge means this. When you have a critical thought or word. Critical thought, so if you have a critical thought, I don't care if it's about a political party, a, a politician, a neighbor, a loved one, a critical thought or word is a huge indication your heart's not pure. And you can go back through the CD and listen to these. No, next one is condemn. That's when we hope something bad happens to them. How many of y'all have hopes? Don't, I'm, never mind, you know what, I'm not even going to ask that. They might be sitting next to you in church. How many of you hope something bad happens to somebody? No, that's condemning them. Here's what forgiveness is. Let's look at this. Forgiveness is not waiting for somebody to say, I'm sorry. It's not waiting for someone to say, I'm sorry. Forgiveness is not always trust. If someone works for you and they stole from you, you have to forgive them, but God is totally okay with you firing them and not hiring them back. Just so you know. Forgiveness is no longer wanting that person to be hurt or punished. And you can go back to the CD and listen to it. Forgiveness is accepting that nothing we do to punish them is going to heal our heart. Amen? Amen? Forgiveness is sometimes a process. This is the worst one. 
How, how often is the Lord's Prayer? Is it weekly, monthly, on Easter and Christmas? Daily. Okay, sometimes every day, there's, gonna be some, there's probably somebody in your life, every day you've got to pray and just forgive them. Here's another thing. Unforgiveness prevents healing. It's like the little boy with a scrape. He got a boo-boo. He pulls, he looked, his mom bandages it up, and then his, his, his friends come over to the house, and he says, look what happened to me. Whoosh, and the blood starts pouring out, puts it back. And then his uncle comes over for dinner. Look what happened to me. And then, you know, then the next day at school, look what happened to me. Okay, we do the same thing. You won't believe what my wife did to me. Whoosh. God was trying to heal it. You won't believe what my old boss did and I got fired. I get whoosh. My dreams are shattered. I was going to do something great. Whoosh. Pull it off over and over again. All it does is stop the healing. It stops the healing. Man, if you think that some person has prevented you from your destiny, you're saying that person is more powerful than God. If you have a pure heart, I don't care who's hurt you. I don't care if the whole world turned their back on you. When your heart's pure, God will get you where he wants you to go. Psalms 147 verse 3 says this, The Lord heals the brokenhearted. I want to tell you what this word brokenhearted translates to in the original. It's also in Luke 4.18. So in the original Greek, we see the word brokenhearted, and it comes from two words. One is cardia, with a K, but that's where we get cardiac, with a C. Cardiac, heart, cardiologist. The other word is a word that means a glass that's been shattered beyond repair and unrecoverable. A glass that's been shattered and it's unrecoverable. How many of you have ever had your heart shattered to where you think it's going to be unrecoverable? Let me ask it a different way. How many of you have ever been hurt so bad that you have this thought, I don't know if I'll ever get over this. I don't know if I'll ever be healed. And you want to, and then you think, you know what, God can do it and it'll be okay. But in the back of your mind, when that hurt happened, you think, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get over something like this. My heart has been shattered beyond repair. Okay, here's what's beautiful about this scripture. It says the Lord can heal a heart that's been shattered beyond repair. We don't have to live with a broken heart. We don't have to live like that. Our heart, God can put our heart back together. 